Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. And it's great to be with you, friends. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here of Priests for Life. So how well do you know the Constitution? Because that is critical to make sense of so much of what is happening. Also, excuse me, to see how the Democrats are trying to mislead you and me. They're banking on our ignorance. And yet we are much more well-informed about how America works than they think we are. We've got to make sure that we're always growing an understanding of that. Uh, We're going to talk about that more on uh, this program uh, we have everything we need to uh, impeach Joe Biden. You know, some of the, I'm sure some of the people you talk to, they said, oh, well, well, there needs to be more evidence, or where's the evidence, or there's no evidence, all this nonsense. We've been talking about what nonsense that is, but I want to show it to you from a constitutional uh, angle here tonight. And then if we have time, get more into this book, uh, Democrat Party Hates America by Mark Levin. You know, there's a passage in uh, Philippians 2 where St. Paul pulls aside the veil and gives us an insight into the thinking of Jesus Christ, which is the thinking of the Father, the thinking of God, about holiness and humility. Let's use that as our our opening scripture uh, here tonight. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself taking the form of a slave. It was thus that he humbled himself, being born in the likeness of men, becoming obedient even to death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at Jesus' name every knee must bend, in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth, and every tongue proclaim, To the glory of God the Father, Jesus Christ is Lord. Let us pray. Jesus, you are Lord, and we do proclaim that, and that unites us. That unites us across your body, the church. That unites us across this nation and around the world. That unites us in proclaiming that if you are Lord, then no human being can be. No tyrant can be permitted in our nation. No person with veto power over life or death can be permitted to kill babies in the womb or anyone anyone else. Only you are Lord. Only you own human life. Only you can command absolute obedience. Only you decide who lives and who dies. You, oh God, are the only Lord. We thank you for leaders who 
point that out. We thank you for leaders who understand that freedom comes when we acknowledge our dependence on you and our independence from any form of tyranny. May we continue to preserve our nation with that understanding, Lord God, and with your grace to help us put it into practice. We pray to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus is Lord, and you know that does mean that uh, we fight tyranny. That's why we have actually a representative form of government, right? You think about the pagan form of government. The law comes from the mouth of the king. People don't matter. They don't have any input into what that law is. They don't have any recourse against those decrees of the king. The mouth of the king is what defines the law. That's not the kind of government that was set up for us. The people matter. We have a voice. We have a vote. Why? Well, you think about it from the religious perspective. We are sons and daughters of the king, the king of kings. We are sons and daughters of the Lord. And therefore, of course, our voice matters. It goes back to what we're saying. If Jesus is Lord, no human being can be. <clears throat> Every human being has to have a say. And yet you can't allow in a system of government everyone to have equal power. The people have got to agree. They've got to consent to be governed. But the person governing only holds that power for as long as the people consent. They can always withdraw it from those who are governing. Now that's where, as Mark Levin points out in this book, the Democrats are different. The Democrat Party wants to hold on to absolute power. They want to consolidate and make permanent that power over and above <clears throat> the will of the people. And that is a key insight of this book, of the history of the party, and of the current battles in politics in America. If we want freedom, we've got to vote these tyrants out of office, and we've got to keep them far, far away from the levers of power. Because in exercising those levers of power, they don't deem themselves accountable to you. Now, of course, there are some Republicans that think the same way, but what I'm pointing out and what Mark is pointing out is that it's in the DNA of the Democrat Party to be consolidating and holding on to and trying to make permanent that particular power. We'll get more into that as we continue to study this book. But again, relying on Mark's uh, insights, <clears throat> he was talking about this the other day, and I want to thank him for bringing it to everyone's attention. When it comes to the impeachment of Joe Biden, we need you to understand something very basic. We've got all we need. You don't have, and that doesn't mean we, we shouldn't have the, the take the steps that are being taken, impeachment inquiry, get a stronger foothold to grab more information and lay out the case about what uh, Biden and his family have done and how corrupt they are. Absolutely. But when I say we've got all we need, put aside even the question of any kind of money. You know, the impeachment of uh, Clinton, uh, the impeachment of uh, the, the two impeachment processes against President Trump, had nothing to do with taking money. Put that whole question aside for a moment. The Constitution is what governs here. And it's from the Constitution that we have to take our cue, our understanding of the process, our understanding of what can and cannot be done, our understanding of when we've got enough, quote unquote, to impeach somebody. And it's got nothing to do with, with, with actually committing a, a crime. As Mark pointed out the other day, the criminal code didn't exist yet. 
when the impeachment, when the Constitution was, was, was put together and it talked about the impeachment process, criminal code didn't exist. So it's not like you have to be uh, shown to be guilty of something in, defined as a crime in the United States Code. What it has to do with is when the president violates the public trust. In other words, he is entrusted with the task of protecting our laws, protecting the citizens of the United States. When he fails to do that, when he fails to do what he promised an oath to do, to faithfully uphold the laws of the United States of America, when he fails in that trust that we, the governed, who consent to be governed, place in those who govern us, well, then that's reason enough to remove him from office. Now, has Biden been, in fact, upholding the laws of the country? Just take the southern border as a key example. The answer is a resounding no. Everybody realizes this. No, he has not been protecting the people. Look what's been flowing over the border. What about the fentanyl deaths? The president have any responsibility for this? What about the, 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 the gang members and the crimes and who knows what kind of terrorists have been led into the country? And what about the harm that's being done to those people and to the people in the cities to which these uh, uh, people who have invaded our country are, 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 are going? The president has failed the public trust. I don't have to point to a crime. I don't have to prove a crime. I just got to say, hey, you're supposed to be upholding our laws and you're flaunting the laws. You're ignoring the laws. You're not enforcing the laws. And you're putting us all in danger in the process out, out of office. That should be enough. So the whole thing about the southern border, hey, listen, get him out of office. How about the, the nonsense he tried to pull with forgiving student uh, debt? student loans. It is not up to the president to do that. Again, failing in the public trust, not, not following the law, not following the Constitution. The power of moving that kind of money around doesn't belong to the executive branch. It belongs to the legislative branch. It belongs to the Congress. And yet he presumed to act on his own. And then the Supreme Court slapped him down and said, no, you don't have the authority to do that. And then he said, well, we're going to do it anyway. Is that or is that not a betrayal of the public trust? You're, you're in an office where you swore to uphold the Constitution, and now you just act in whatever way you well please? and disregard the limitations that the Constitution puts on your power? I told you, and Mark tells you in this book, these Democrats want to consolidate power. They want to aggregate power to themselves, hold it and exercise it permanently, and couldn't give a crap about what you think or what you want or what's good for the country. That's grounds enough. The whole concept of impeachment, it's not a criminal trial. It's not proving a crime beyond a reasonable doubt. It's a betrayal of the public trust. It's a failure to protect the people and the laws of the United States. It's as simple as that.
got people in office, in public office that don't understand this. You know, so many of our, so many of our problems would be solved if we go back to the Constitution 101. You're familiar with Hillsdale College. They provide free courses on the Constitution and on a lot of elements of our civic life. It's important for us to all get back to the basics here. You know, you've all seen those man-on-the-street interviews where people can't name the three branches of government. They can't tell you who the vice president is. I mean, it's really, it's really sad. But it's not just sad. It's dangerous. Because then people like that continue not to learn and rise up in the ranks of influence in society, maybe even get elected to public office. Uh, we should ask our, you know what, you know what we should do? Let's each ask our representative in Congress. And this, this could go for the state legislatures too. Our governors, let's all, let's ask all these people. When is the last time you read the Constitution? Wouldn't that be an interesting question? I mean, you can ask it respectfully. But just say, you know, listen, we're all governed by the Constitution. What I would suggest is you go back and reread it, re -read it first uh, yourself. And then because you know, if they ask you the same question, you could say, oh, I just read it yesterday. Get one of those pocket versions of the Constitution. But I, I would like to know, when is the last time the person represent? because the people who represent you on the state level, you got your state house, state Senate, U.S. House, U.S. Senate, the P uh, governor, everybody who represents you and me in government swears an oath to uphold the Constitution. It's not just the president and it's not just the federal legislators that take that oath. The state legislators do too. It's the same constitution for the whole country, even though obviously there's also a state constitution. But the point is they all swear an oath to uphold it. Judges do as well. So how are they going to carry out that oath unless they know what the constitution says? And how are they going to know what it says unless they read it? And so it's a fair question for us who consent to be governed to ask, well, when's the last time you read our governing document? Be fun to see what, how they answer that. Okay. So this book we've been looking at in some detail is a lot more to cover here. And I, I jumped to the chapter, the chapter six, the war on the nuclear family, partially because it's the first chapter of the book I read because it deals so directly with my work on the whole question of abortion. But there's a lot of interrelated issues here. And I want to continue pointing out some of the things Mark Levin points out in this great book. So the premise here is that the Democrat Party who hates America hates the nuclear family. And part of, and you really, when you think about it as they want to consolidate and keep and hold on to more and more power, a threat to the power of any autocratic regime is the nuclear family, because that's a, that's a power center in and of itself on the most basic level of society. In fact, the, 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 in, the, in the teaching of the uh, Catholic Church, you know, we always say that the family is the basic cell of society. So if you want to take over that whole body, in every one of its cells, you know, the family becomes a, uh, a threat because then there's the authority of the parents over the children and they're training up those children in the ways of the Lord. And it's like the way a child gets trained and schooled and learns, you know, if those parents have control over the education of that child, now you're raising up people who might not buy into or who might see through the narrative that the autocratic state with its, with its state-run media is going to try to impose on everybody else and squelching the free speech and uh, freedom of thought that goes with it. 
as guaranteed by the Bill of Rights in the Constitution, uh, is is uh, is not going to be is not is not going to be protected. So the family, in, in a nutshell, is a threat to these people. So they do everything possible to destroy it. They do everything possible to confuse young people. One of the easiest ways to confuse them is to tamper with their sexuality, their gender, and that's why we see they don't want parents to have even a say in the gender identity of their own children. So one of the things um, these Democrats say is that these kids don't belong to their parents. They belong to all of us, and and that's a bunch of garbage. Uh, And then we have some specific legislation. The Republican-controlled House that we currently have tried to stop the Biden administration from destroying women's sports. I was just at a gala uh, banquet the other night in in Orlando at which I gave the uh, invocation. And um, one of the guest speakers there was uh, a young lady who... uh, had to compete in her in her sports on her sports team against uh, a man who was declaring himself to be a woman, and we've all seen the examples of this left and right. And President Trump brings up these examples in his uh, speeches, etc. So the House passed a bill called the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. Did you hear about this? And it would amend Title IX to prevent men from competing against women in school sports. So here's the here's the crux of the thing I want to bring across. The common sense bill. It's amazing that we would have even had to be talking about this. The other night we were some people at the table as this young lady was speaking we were saying could you have imagined if 10 10 years ago we, we said to each other that this was the topic we were going to be hearing about at 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 uh, at, at this banquet we would have we would have scratched our heads and say you're crazy. But here's the point I want to make. And Mark makes not one, not one Democrat voted in favor of this measure. What? Where do these people come from? What is this party all about? What really is this party? You know, when people say, oh, well, no, they just disagree with us on certain things, but, you know, they have our best interests at heart. And no, this is not. It's not just a different way of getting to the same goal. It's a different goal. It used to be that our political differences, well, we all love America. We all want the best thing for the people, and people just have different ways of how to get there. It isn't that anymore. It's not people with different ways, different ideas about how to get to the same goal. This is a different goal. They don't want the family. They want to destroy the family. They don't want America. They want to destroy America. Women's sport. They can't vote for a bill. The common sense of this, that you're going to prevent men from competing against women in school sports, and not a single elected Democrat in the House of Representatives votes in favor of that? Not a single one? Challenge them. If your representative is Democrat, for goodness sake, have they heard from you about this? What is wrong with you? And of course, the bill is going nowhere in the Senate because it's controlled by that same party that hates hates the, uh, the family and hates common sense and hates America. And guess what Biden said he would do if this bill ever made it through the Congress and got on his desk? Well, you guessed it. He said he would veto it. 
Meanwhile, 55% of Americans are opposed. Should be higher. But 55% are opposed, according to a Washington Post poll recently, to having transgender female athletes, that is men, compete with women and girls in school sports, 55%. Now, Title IX is the part of the federal code that outlaws um, sex discrimination. Okay, outlaw sex discrimination. That doesn't say anything about gender or gender identity, but the Biden administration wants to define sex according to a, a, a definition that would include those prerogatives and would therefore make it okay, would justify for them denying the rights of parents to have their children opt out of this gender indoctrination in the schools. You see what the, what, 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 it, what it quickly translates into is, if there's no sex discrimination, therefore no gender discrimination, not only do you have the rights of parents now to opt out their children uh, from participating in whatever classes, indoctrination, lessons, activities, are meant to confuse them in their gender, but then... You have, uh, uh, this book points out, let me just read this sentence, incredibly, Democrat states and counties across the country are passing laws to keep parents in the dark when their children express gender confusion. According to the New York Post, more than 3.2 million U.S. public school students are now covered by guidance that says it blocks parents from knowing whether the child in the classroom is identifying as a different gender than the one that they actually are. Why in the world? You see what's going on here? This deliberate effort to come as a wall between parents and their children. Because as Bongino says, you can't have communism until you have the kids. They've got to say, again, like I was explaining at the outset, the nuclear family being the cell of society. So if the family is healthy, society is healthy. But if a party like the Democrat Party wants to take get its, its claws into every aspect of society and just aggregate power to itself, it's got to destroy the power, if you will, that's in the nuclear family when you protect the rights of the parents as the primary educators of their children. It all makes sense when you see it again in that, um, in that context of what their ultimate goal is. And then when it comes to the issue I deal with of abortion, the abortion policies advocated by the Democrats, you know, they want it to seem to the public like it's all about, hey, we just want you the right, want you to have the right to, you know, your reproductive health, right? And, and they try to make it sound like that embedded in that when they say that there's an absolute right to abortion, which, by the way, Roe v. Wade never said. They never said the right was absolute. But what the Democrats are pressing for now does say, does contend that it's absolute. Well, that absolute quality of the abortion right would eliminate any role of parents in having a say in the decision if, a, if, if one of their daughters wants to have an abortion and she's a minor 
Most of the states right now, most of the states have laws that say if a minor is going to get an abortion, the parents got to be involved in some way. There's different levels of involvement. Should they be notified? Should one parent have to be notified? Should both have to be notified? But then beyond notification, some of these parental involvement laws require consent. In other words, that, you know, 15-year-old girl can't get an abortion unless mom or dad, or in some cases both, actually give their consent. Most of the states have this because most of the American people would support that as a common sense measure. But the Democrats, they want to take that away. Just look at their so-called Women's Health Protection Act, which is the bill that they introduced, they voted on already in, the, in, 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 in Congress a number of times. And it would eliminate the parental role altogether. That's their theme. This is where we'll, we'll pause here Can to pick this up again uh, next time. Um, goes along with their agenda, right? Destroy the family. Get that parental authority out of the way in everything. Can't have communism without the kids. This is what the other side is constantly trying to do. You know, if this doesn't make people realize that, again, as we've said, this is, this is, this is a battle between good and evil, this election. It's a battle between good and evil. You know, that's why we're, you know what, we're reworking all our voter education efforts here at Priests for Life. We've got these voter trainings that we do. We're, we're, this is so different from elections in the past. You know, in the past, we would take, we would have these voter registration, these uh, voter education uh, um, flyers, these voter guides. And we still have the, the, you take the words of the party platforms between the Republicans and Democrats, you lay them out side by side, all on different issues. And you can see, I mean, people really appreciate that. You see the parties in their own words saying where they stand on various issues, but it requires so much more than that now because it's not, again, we don't want to give the impression that, Hey, we're all Americans. We're all aiming for the same thing here. And, uh, uh, we're just going about it in different ways. That's 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 not that's, it isn't that anymore. It's just a bit good versus evil, common sense versus insanity, parental rights versus the destruction of the family. It, it, it's really it's gotten more to the core right now. Just a, just a fundamental split on the most basic moral and societal norms, the most basic dictates of truth and common sense. That's the choice we have in this election. The quicker we can get as many as people as possible in our sphere of influence to understand, you have to help them make a mental shift. It's not even an argument about the issues. It's making a mental shift about how deep the division has become. It's gotten to the foundation. You, you can think about political division says, I'm going to build this kind of house. You're going to build that kind of house. We're going to have this kind of city. You're going to have that kind of city. But what about a crack in the earth itself? What about what happens in an earthquake? What about the, the crack in the cement, the crack in the foundation, you know, the opening up of the ground? That's what we're dealing with here. So let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do trust in you. For America. Lord, some families are just find it very hard to even exist. They've been decimated by, by divorce, by, by all kinds of fractures and uh, 
We pray for broken families. We pray, Lord God, for sorrowing families where one or another key people are absent, maybe have been lost. Lord God, we pray for struggling families. We pray for parents who are grieving because they've lost the they've lost any kind of control over their children or their education. Lord, we ask you for grace in America that families may reclaim their strength and parents may reclaim their their rightful authority over their children. We pray against the efforts of this Democrat party to destroy the family. We pray for our school system, for those who administer it. We pray for a triumph of common sense and decency. We pray against all these efforts to indoctrinate our children. Lord, put an end to this. Put an end to this this evil. Assist us, Lord God, in building up America according to the foundational truths of your kingdom. We pray for each other, all the needs that have been expressed in the comments, all the needs that we stand before you with, including health and discernment, consolation, guidance. And we pray now in those great words that the Lord Jesus himself taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Spread the word about this program, Praying for America, each weeknight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on so many different channels. And you can always go back and watch watch the recorded programs. We send this out on our podcast also. And uh, that's the End Abortion Podcast. And look that up on all the different places where you subscribe to podcasts. Thanks for thanks to Right Side Broadcasting Network and all the other platforms where we are seen. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. Priests for Life, saving lives for over 30 years. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.